0: Hi, everyone, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sallerson here on location in Atlanta, Georgia, site of the Pelicans and the Hawks tonight in preseason game number two. We'll get to that in a little bit. We have plenty to get to on this Monday. Of course, we'll recap a Saints win over the New York football Giants, 33-18. to 18. We'll recap the Pelicans as they fall to the Bulls last night in Chicago, 128 to 116 what a weekend for Louisiana sports teams as Tulane with a huge win on Friday night against Memphis the LSU Tigers looking great against the Old Miss Rebels on Saturday the Saints win on Sunday and everyone else in the NFC South lost as well on Sunday so a pretty pretty good weekend if you're a New Orleans football fan whether it's LSU Tulane and Saints so it all smiles today on this Monday Hope the weather is good in New Orleans. It's beautiful here in Atlanta, about 80 degrees as the Pelicans get ready to take on the Hawks. It'll be a neutral site game, technically even it's a home game for Atlanta as they'll play in McCamish Pavilion tonight on the campus of Georgia Tech as the State Farm Arena is getting renovated for the Hawks as they approach the regular season. Of course, we'll have John DeShazer on from NewOrleansSaints.com to recap a 33-18 win, and I'll have Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com as well to talk about last night's game and what we can look forward to tonight against the Hawks. So 33-18, to 18, three touchdowns from Alvin Kamara. It was a great date for him. The defense played well. Demario Davis with a couple big sacks. He had P.J. Williams with the force fumble. Uh, the New York Giants did a good job of keeping Drew Brees in check and also Michael Thomas, but when you also have a guy like Alvin Kamara, it's pick-your-poison time if you're an opposing team against the new orleans saints they improved a three and one on the season um we'll talk to jd about that as well and now they get ready for the washington redskins it's a very big game on monday night football at the mercedes-benz supernome drew Brees can become the leading passer in nfl history in front of the home crowd he just needs 201 yards and man you can probably get that in the first half if you're drew Brees. so let's see if he can break peyton manning's record On Monday Night Football, and also will be the return of Mark Ingram after serving that four-game suspension. I'm sure Alvin Kamara is happy to get his running mate back as well, and so there's plenty to talk about leading up to that game on the eighth, but we'll focus mainly on the win over the Giants yesterday, and your New Orleans Saints are leading the NFC South Division at three and one. So enough rambling from me. Let's get to our guest today, John DeShazer, Jim Eichenhofer. They're yours right now. All right, and joining us now is John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He is in Studio B. I'm here in Atlanta with the Pelicans. J.D. is fresh off a return from East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Saints, in, in our segment, defeat the New York Giants last night 33-18. to 18. J.D., welcome back. Always nice on a Monday to talk about a victory.
2: Yeah, victory Monday, late night, early morning, but uh, you always have a little pep in your step if it's a win.
0: So let's talk about this game a little bit. We'll start with the offense. Um, we were talking about this before we got started here. Um, the Giants seem like they played Drew Brees pretty well, as they normally do. They took Michael Thomas out of the game, but tell me how the offense got 33 points yesterday in the win.
2: Well, the beauty is uh, the Saints have an offense that has triplets, and I guess when when you know at some point it's going to be quadruplets. But uh, the, the third part of the, the equation was Alvin Kamara running back and, and, and taking Alvin Kamara out of the game. Probably borderline impossible because of what he can do as a dual threat, a runner and receiver. So I don't know if you can necessarily completely take him out. And as the game goes on, uh, now it looks like he's getting stronger. Um, We saw it last week, uh, or excuse me, a week before uh, on the road against Atlanta and then on the road against the Giants, the same thing. He got better as the game progressed. So the Giants, who do play Drew Brees pretty well on the road, and they were able to bracket Michael Thomas and pretty much take him away. But Alvin Kamara just gashed him 19 carries for 134 yards and three, touchdown, three touchdowns, <laughs> and then he caught five passes for another 47 yards. Um, so that's another 24 touches for Alvin Kamara after a week where he had 31 touches. But, man, he, he just looks really good doing it. He doesn't take a whole lot of you know flush, Uh, tackles where you can, you know, you can really size him up and hurt him. Uh, He's fantastic at, you know, just getting skinny, you know, we call it turning sideways and just squirming and wriggling until you can't get a clean shot on him. And when it's one guy, you know, that one guy is hopeless, that one guy isn't going to get him on the ground, and he's got fantastic balance. So, you know, he really was the difference in the game. Will Lutz gave the the offense a big lift early in the game with four field goals in the first half because the Saints – Offense was just stymied in that first half. Um, you know, again, the Giants did well when they got them in the red zone. They tightened up defensively. They were able to get off the field and hold the Saints to field goals. Saints were 0 for 4 in the red zone in the first half. And, you know, look, down the road, those are the type numbers that come back to bite you and really bite you hard. Uh, but Will Lutz came on. He made it, you know, actually made six field goals because two were wiped out because of penalties. So he had to re them and make them again. But he was fantastic, and, and the offense kind of put it together in the second half to where they figured out some things. And and basically, the thing they figured out the most was, you know, let's put the ball in, in in on the ground a little bit with a little bit more with Alvin Kamara, a little bit with Taysom Hill, and get something going that way. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. A pair
0: of sacks by linebacker Demario Davis, and also after a tough game for P.J. Williams against Atlanta. He comes back and forces a fumble in the game. How did the defense look yesterday against New York?
2: I thought the defense played their best game of the season. I know they held Cleveland also to 18 points, but Cleveland's offense is different than the Giants. Uh, I don't think Cleveland's offense is as much of a threat as the Giants with Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. at receiver and Saquon Barkley at running back. And the Saints held that group to 299 yards, held them to only 18 points, and really for the better part of the day uh, had had really – you know, smushed them down to seven points uh, for a good portion of it. I thought the Saints easily was their best defensive game uh, of the season. Uh, they had good coverage in the secondary, uh, didn't give up, you know, several chunk plays which uh, has plagued this defense this season. They've been giving up big play after big play after big play. Didn't do that yesterday against the Giants. Uh, P.J. Williams, you, can't, you can only give him credit for bouncing back the way he did. Uh, he had a tough – Tough game against Atlanta, uh, the kind of game that really can sap a guy's confidence. But he 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 turned it around, uh, made a couple of uh, PBUs yesterday, made some nice open field tackles, and then the forced fumble was huge. We've heard Sean Payton talk about f- this defense, you know, how getting interceptions might be kind of random, but forcing fumbles is a lot has a lot to do with you know technique and form and going after the football. And P.J. got his helmet directly on the football and caused that fumble. So you know more power to him man it was good to see. he's a really good guy and it was good to see him bounce back that way and good to see the defense play uh, as good a game as it's played this season
0: is what can what can't taysom hill do that's really basically what i'm trying to figure out here because it seems like he can just do everything from quarterback special teamer on offense defense
2: is there anything taysom hill can't do jd well he probably can't make a bunt cake maybe maybe something like that but otherwise i i, I don't know man i mean you know, yesterday he threw a pass on fourth and two to convert a fake punt. Uh, he caught a pass. It was a minus play, but he caught a pass. He ran a couple of times. He was a lead blocker a couple of times. Uh, he was, you know, on the on the kickoff cover team. He was on the punt cover team. He went for a punt block. I mean, he, he is the modern-day, you know, Swiss Army knife of a football player. And, I mean, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, every now and again in baseball, i use this analogy, where you'll have some kind of – you know, fluky game where it's a blowout and, you know, a team will, you know, get a guy to play all nine positions. Well, Taysom Hill plays, you know, seven, eight positions in meaningful stretches of the game where he is useful and where the Saints need him. And to see that in an NFL game, man, you don't see that in, in you don't you, you rarely see it in high school much less the NFL, you definitely don't see it in college where uh, players begin to specialize in certain situations. And Taysom Hillman, he is just a fantastic asset for the Saints. He can give you some snaps in those short yardage situations because, as Sean Payton likes to say, you know, basically it kind of gives you a situation where you've got to account for him. And you, now you don't have that extra defender if it's Drew Brees because Drew Brees is as good an athlete as he is in the running threat that Taysom Hill is, but now you take that, that equation out of it and you got to account for him. And, and yesterday, a perfect example, it did a little zone read down on, on the, on the goal line. And once he kept it, Probably wasn't the best decision in the world. But the next time, rather than keep it, he gave it to Alvin Kamara, a gaping hole for a touchdown for Alvin Kamara. So, you know, those are the things that he's able to do for this team. man. And actually, he threw a pass at quarterback, too. Should have been caught for a touchdown by Alvin Kamara. Alvin, Alvin probably owes him one on that one. I'm sure Alvin will say he should have caught that pass. But, man, Taysom Hill can do some things. He is, he is a phenomenal uh, competitor, and he is just – I don't know of many guys who are as versatile as him. I mean, everybody who plays those specific positions that he's filling in at, you know if they do it all the time, they might be better. But no player in the NFL, I don't think, for my money, is better at him collectively doing all those things. Was this the most
0: complete – win for the Saints this season out of the three wins Cleveland Atlanta and the Giants was this the most complete game they've played all season long so far JD
2: yeah it was their best complimentary game uh, you got contributions from special teams uh, not just Taysom Hill with his you know with his play on, on the conversion on fourth down or with, on the punt fake but also with uh, with Will Lutz with the four field goals you got contributions defensively you're you forced two turnovers, and had three sacks and held the Giants to uh, less than 300 yards. You got contributions from offense with the three rushing touchdowns from Alvin Kamara. And even though Drew Brees didn't have big numbers, what continues to happen for this offense is he didn't turn it over. He hadn't turned it over uh, in in the first four games of this season. And going back to last season, that's five consecutive games. Drew Brees has not thrown an interception. And if he's not turning the ball over, if the offense isn't turning the ball over, you like the Saints' chances in any game because we know eventually this offense is going to come around. And by the way, with this offense, another 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Every game this season, four games, they've scored at least 14 in the fourth quarter alone. And that's that's high-level execution at the most crucial points of the game. And it's hard to buy that. Do you want them to have to do that every game? No. But it's good to know that you can use it when you do need to have it, Daniel.
0: Which uh, takes us now to Monday Night Football against the Washington Redskins. I agree, J.D. It's nice now that you know that the Saints are capable of scoring the fourth quarter, whether you're down or have a lead, knowing that you can either put a game away or come back potentially in the final frame. But let's do talk about the Washington Redskins. Monday Night Football and a lot to talk about, J.D., for the fact that Drew Brees, 201 yards away from breaking the record for most passing yards in a career. And then Mark Ingram comes back, which I heard he was at the airport after the game greeting his teammates. I know I'm sure everyone is glad to have Mark Ingram back, but it should be an electric atmosphere and a huge game for the Saints on Monday night against the Redskins.
2: Man, it's going to be huge. I mean, and when you get back a Pro Bowl running back like Mark Ingram, who had the season he had last year, uh, the best season of his career, And as big as it is to get him back, of course, that's going to be a secondary story to Drew Brees, 201 yards away from the all-time lead uh, and passing yard in the NFL, man. It's been a phenomenal career, a phenomenal Saints career for Drew Brees. And for him to be able to set that record at home, uh, you know, the football gods kind of looked out for the Saints a little bit on that one for him to be able to do it. Uh, Primetime, only 201 yards. Look, he might get that in the first half. I mean, that might be a situation where the Saints really go for it to kind of get it out of the way, and that way you can have all the pomp and circumstance out of the way uh, at the end of the, at halftime, and you can kind of get back to the, really get back to the game. Because you know, if if you talk to Drew Man, he's he's got a look on his face like, you know, yeah, he understands the accomplishment. And I mean, you know, you don't get to be as accomplished as he is without you know having an ego and and without you know taking pride in what you do, and yet. It's almost one of those things where he's like, you know, look, I just want to kind of get this over because I just want to play ball. And the team is in a really good groove right now, so I think they want to get it over as quickly as possible. But, man, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to be fantastic to be in there to watch him do his thing and to see Mark Ingram come back because, look, Mark is a a, a really important component to this offense. And now Alvin Kamara touches – should go down when you have Mark Ingram back because Mark is a more reliable and more trusted uh, member of this offense. Alvin Kamara last year in his rookie year when he was NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year averaged about 12-13 touches per game. Uh, The last two games he's had 31 touches and 24 touches. That's a high usage rate for him. Now again he's not a guy who takes a whole lot of straight on you know quality shots from a defense so I don't know how beat up he is, but certainly you welcome back those fresh legs that Mark Ingram is going to bring, and plus the attitude and leadership that he brings with him also.
0: Could we see some instances, J.D., where we have Mark Ingram and Kamara on the field at the same time? We've seen how much, uh, how many catches Alvin Kamara has so far this season as a wide receiver, I guess. Um, and basically the second option for Drew Brees behind Michael Thomas could we see some uh, things on Monday night, potentially with both of them being on the field at the same time?
2: Well, absolutely. But, here's, but the thing is, and, and it's underrated with Mark, Mark is a really good receiver also. Uh, and not just on screen passes, screen passes and swing passes. He can also catch some, some down the field. Now, is he as good a receiver as Alvin Kamara? Well, there's no running back in the NFL who's a better receiver than Alvin Kamara. So that you know, throw that one out. But Mark is really effective in terms of being on the field, and you can't zero in on what the Saints want to do offensively. You can't just assume it's going to be a run because Mark Ingram's on the field. Mark Ingram is an accomplished receiver. And if you don't have to put Alvin Kamara out there in those situations, those are snaps that you can give him a little bit of a break. And maybe you can prevent, you know, let, let's say somebody wants to just take a little cheap shot on him when he's running the pattern, when he really isn't, you know, out there to, to do anything other than be a decoy. He's a really good decoy, but you can prevent those snaps and those miles on his legs by having Mark Ingram out there. That's the beauty of having he and Mark because they're both dual-purpose running backs.
0: All right, JD. Before I let you go, let's talk about the NFC South a little bit. The Falcons with a heartbreaking loss. Note: I know it's not heartbreaking for anyone in New Orleans, but a heartbreaking loss for them, 37 to 36 over Cincinnati. The Bucks looked very lost out there in Chicago yesterday, losing 48 to 10. The Panthers on the bye, but Saints in sole possession of first in the NFC South, and I'm not sure what to make of the NFC South right now, besides the Saints.
2: Well, it's still a tough division. and I mean, but you know, I you know Tampa has played the last two games, I guess. The way that they were forecast to play this season. Now they jumped out the gate and, and spanked the Saints, and then they got Philly, the, the, the super, reigning Super Bowl champs at home, and everybody you know kind of jumped on the on the bandwagon. But I mean, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick unfortunately seems to be playing kinda to what he has been in his entire NFL career, which is why he's been on several several teams in the NFL. Uh, the Falcons have had back-to-back heartbreaking games. Well, really. It's been a coin flip. They could have won either one. They could have gotten the Saints, and the Saints, you know, gutted one out in overtime, and then they could have gotten Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was able to pull off one down the stretch. In the last 12 seconds, uh, Falcons give up a touchdown pass. So I think the division is still pretty, pretty formidable. Uh, You've just had a couple of losses. Now, the way Tampa got blown out yesterday in, in Chicago, look, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of game that kind of shakes your foundation a little bit because, you know, losing is one thing being beaten down and humiliated is another. The beauty of the NFL is, you know, hey, or sports, period. It only counts for one loss, so you can bounce back quick, quickly and get back on the field. But, man, you know, that thing can sting, and that really can turn a season for you. Now, with them, they do have a little jump start in that they have Jameis Winston back. He played a lot of that second half yesterday, and he really is their franchise quarterback, if you want to be honest about it. So, you know, they might be able to get back on track with him But at the beginning, man, I thought this was going to be a really tough division between uh, the Saints, uh, Falcons, and Carolina. And the Falcons have shown, you know, they're they're a couple of plays away from, you know, back-to-back wins against tough teams. And Carolina, we know, is always a team that's hard to beat. So I think the NFC South is going to be okay. I mean, it generally is. I know there were a couple of seasons ago where – I want to say the division winner. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Carolina one with maybe a seven and nine record, a seven, eight, and one or something like that. That that this division is not yep, that seven, division. And <laughs> this division in that division anymore. Uh, so I think it's going to be a dog fight to the end. And fortunately for the Saints right now, uh they're sitting on top of the hill.
0: All right, that's John DeShazer from New Of course, follow him on Twitter at John DeShazer. Is it at John DeShazer or at John underscore DeShazer, JD? Uh just at John DeShazer. It's regular old me. All right. <laughs> Simple enough. Uh, he'll have everything leading up to Saints and Redskins. And, of course, we'll talk to J.D. leading up to that game on Monday Night Football next week here on the Black and Blue Report. J.D., I appreciate it as always, and we'll talk
2: to you when we get back, my friend. Uh, we're looking forward to it. You guys have a great call in Atlanta, and uh, have a safe trip. All right. Appreciate it. When we come back, speaking of the Pelicans, we'll
0: talk with Pelicans.com writer Jim Eichenhofer. But first, a word from Sanderson Farms.
2: Who do we champion at the Sanderson Farms Championship? We champion the children of Mississippi. Each year, all championship proceeds go to charities across Mississippi, including Batson Children's Hospital. Join us October 22nd through 28th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, fun, and good, honest Sanderson Farms chicken, all to raise money for charities like Friends of Children's Hospital. Visit sandersonfarmschampionship.com for your tickets today.
0: As promised, joining me now from Atlanta is Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com inside his penthouse suite here in Atlanta. We won't disclose the hotel just because of all the fans that are dying to meet Mr. Eichenhofer here in Atlanta, but the Pelicans will take on the Hawks in the second game of the back-to-back. Jim, I really like your digs here in Atlanta. This is pretty sharp.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you appreciate the accommodations. Speaking of fan support, um, I know Georgia is your – old stomping grounds. I'm wondering like what time the parade is later today. Is there going to be the parade in your honor at some point? I, I, I'm i waiting for the invite to that.
0: So there's two parades today. There's one in my hometown of Marietta, Georgia. That okay. starts in about an hour. Um, and then there's one in, in Atlanta about two hours from now. I think we're just going to ride right from Marietta, Georgia into Atlanta. And then I think I might just take that float. It'll be like kind of a New Orleans parade float. I'm just going to take that right uh, onto the campus of Georgia Tech. What do you think?
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: All right, well, let's talk about the game last night, Jim. The Pelicans fall to the Bulls 128-116. to 116. Not really concerned as much with the loss just based on the personnel that was out there. The starters played a good chunk of the first half. Didn't, we didn't see a lot of them in the second half, but let's start with that starting rotation. Most of them played 15 to 20 minutes. Saw Alfred Payton and Julius Randle each with 25 minutes. I can understand that with them being new guys, but overall, the starting lineup, what were your thoughts on them?
1: I mean, I think it was great to see, just to see it on the floor. To, you know, you spend the whole off season picturing, like, how is this going to work and what are their roles going to be? Obviously, there's a ton of things that they need to work out in terms of chemistry and where everyone fits together and how they're going to play off of each other. But um, I thought it was really encouraging just to see the way that Julius Randle played. And Elford um, had some good moments. I think he, Elvin Gentry said after the game that he was a little hesitant. I think he made a couple bad decisions or wasn't sure you know where other guys were supposed to be when he was trying to make a pass, so maybe it was a little bit um, less aggressive looking for his shot. But I think that's natural as a point guard. You want to come in the first game and show people that you're going to play unselfishly. So, but o- but overall, I thought it was it was pretty encouraging. A lot of the things that we saw, and it was cool really just to to see, like I said, the some some of these guys actually get on the court with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and and each one more and some of these other players. I was
0: really encouraged by Julius Randle in his versatility last night bringing up the ball up the court um his passing some of them some nifty maneuvers behind the back passing at um what did you see from Randall I really liked how it seems like he'll fit really well in this offense
1: Yeah he's uh it's his versatility by the way someone's knocking on my uh the the penthouse suite door I I I'm not. I'm not happy with management right now. They were told to to leave us alone for a little while, but um, I'll have a word with them later. Anyways, uh, no, he he just his ability to get the rebound, bring the the ball up the court. Um, like you said, dish. He can score around the basket a couple times. I thought he made life miserable for Wendell Carter last night a couple times. The rookie for the Bulls that was drafted in the lottery, where it was a one-on-one situation and Randall just basically put his head down embodied Carter and just kind of shoved him underneath the basket and then put the ball in so that was something that um, a a few of the other guys on the few of of his teammates on the Pelicans noticed is just something they saw during workouts and obviously during Randall's career with the Lakers but just his ability to put his head down and take it to the basket and get there and score at will whenever he decides to to do that was something that was impressive and something I think is going to help the, the team this year a lot
0: Frank Jackson wasn't shy uh, shooting the ball last night. 5 of 14, uh, tied with Drew Holiday for most points with 16. I was completely okay with him shooting that much. Uh, Seems like he has a lot of confidence in himself, and we saw some of the things that we were looking forward to seeing out of Frank last night.
1: Yeah, I tweeted at one point something to the effect of that he has been really aggressive shooting the ball, and right after I tweeted that I got a couple texts from various people saying, tell him to keep shooting, Do keep doing, just double down on that. So I thought his approach was really exactly what you want to see from a rookie or a guy who's playing in his first game, that he was very confident and went out there to try to score. And, and really every time he was open, he was looking to shoot. So um, I thought, too, that his some of his um his pull-up threes were really impressive to me. You don't see a lot of guys that are brand new in the league be able to do that and have the confidence to do that. So – Overall, he was he was really impressive, and that I thought that was a really good start. He, like you said, he took a lot of shots. He wasn't very efficient, but you can see a lot of the reasons why people are excited about him and the guys that have been playing with him and against him in workouts and that kind of thing for the last couple of months have constantly been saying, you know, look out for this guy. He's going to be dangerous, and he's going to be somebody that can help us. And I think it, re- it really raises your antenna when you hear that because – to me, there's an unwritten rule among guys in the NBA where you don't talk up a player who hasn't actually proven anything on the court in even preseason or any regular season game. So uh, people, are, people are definitely excited about seeing what he can do this year.
0: Let's talk about another Duke product in Jolly Okafor who unfortunately got hurt late in the game last night, he was on crutches afterwards. We don't know the extent of his injury. I think we'll know more later today. But before he got hurt, J.D., I was impressed with how Jolly Okafor looked, don't you think?
1: You just called me J.D.? in my own hotel suite uh
0: i'm sorry we had jd on before <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: all right um the the um you know he he was really good uh i thought his people who watched him play for the sixers and brooklyn he was kind of a ground-bound player he's talked about this himself a few times that um just getting in better shape he, he, he looks a lot more athletic he had a dunk that even brought a bulls player off of out of his seat for a split second, um, because it was such a resounding slam, and he also had a, a block on the other, defensive block on the other end where he swatted the ball away from somebody and then tracked it down. It just seems like he's doing stuff that we don't. I don't remember him seeing him do much in his with his previous two teams. And granted, the last year or two, he didn't. He didn't even really play that much, so we didn't see anything from him, good or bad. But I think it's been it's been nice to see and encouraging to see just the type of player that he is when he's in so much better shape.
0: Um, let's talk about – I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just going to tell you a different name until the, the interview is over. It's been – we got in late. You know, bear with me here. No let's talk about um the pace because I know that's one of the things that Alvin Gentry is focused on through this preseason. He wants to go even faster. Were you happy with the pace last night in preseason game number one?
1: Well, Joel, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought he uh, – I thought the team did a really good job of pushing it. It it seemed like they were in the open floor a ton in the first half, especially with the starters. It was constantly Julius Randle bringing the ball up the court, like I mentioned, off of a rebound. Drew Holiday had a ton of situations where he was able to just create, and he had tons of room. So one thing that Alvin Gentry mentioned after the game I think is obvious, but you might not necessarily have thought about um, in a preseason game where you're not that tuned into everything, is that um, you know Miritich didn't play. So think about it, when Miritich is on the floor with some of these guys and how much even more that opens up the, the up room for people. So I'm really looking forward to seeing with what can happen when you have some of these guys that can create off the dribble and do different stuff and then have a shooter like Nico on the court as well.
0: This is David Wesley here with the Black and Blue Report. Okay, we're done with that anyways. Uh, Jim, before we, uh, before I let you go, let's talk about um, tonight's game against the Atlanta Hawks. It's the first preseason game for Atlanta, obviously our second one here on the back-to-back. With that being said, I'm not sure how much we're going to see of uh, the starters, just based on it being a back-to-back in the preseason. Not sure how the rotations are going to go. We might see some of those younger guys that we saw in the fourth quarter. But what should Pelicans fans look out for tonight? I know you can watch it on the Pelicans.com live stream, but what should we look out for tonight as far as whether it's the pace again, whether it's a certain player? Um, just talk about what we can look forward to.
1: I'd say the player that I'm the most interested in specifically for tonight's game is probably Alfred Payton, just to see the way that he um, plays, just getting more comfortable with every game in terms of the system and getting a feel for um, you know when guys are going to cut, when to shoot, when to pass. That's always a big question that every point guard has to deal with, especially with a new team. So, um, I'm looking forward to really probably mo- most closely watching him to see how he plays tonight.
0: All right, that's Jim offer from Pelicans.com. Follow all his work, Jim underscore Eichenhofer on Twitter. He'll have a pregame update for you as well as we get ready for Pelicans and Hawks tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central. You can watch the live stream on Pelicans.com. You'll hear the the soothing voice of Sean Kelly alongside my non-soothing voice tonight over that live stream but of course we encourage you to watch and listen tonight and then the pelicans are back home just for a couple days before heading back out on the road and face the knicks on friday of course sean will have wednesday's black and blue report for you from studio b as the saints get ready for the washington redskins on monday night football of course we'll talk pelicans as training camp resumes at the Auctioner sports performance center and the ladies will have the friday show as well getting you ready uh, for a weekend full of basketball and football and then i'll be back on monday here as we preview redskins and saints and uh, we'll recap the knicks and the pelicans as well so again 6:30 p.m central tonight pelicans.com live stream you can listen on 99.5 wrno but we encourage you to listen as well on the live stream The sean kelly and i will have the call from the camish pavilion at the campus of georgia tech big thanks to john DeShazer and jim eikenhoffer i'm daniel salarson thanks for listening to the black and blue report presented by seakey